Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game Men and Their Dogs. Today is day 74 here in the Zen Room. We're on our 28th episode now. My name is Patrick Finn. I am here with the usually garrulous Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. Tommy's a little tired today, isn't that I'm right, Tommy? I'm tired. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm tired, I'm cranky, and I don't want to put up with anybody's shit. Well, like I said, you boy, you in the wrong place I then. I know, I'll see how the next hour goes. Did you survive daylight savings time? Did I have anything to do with it? Uh, no, no, no. No, I didn't throw you off? No. No? My, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, it didn't. Okay. Just I had plenty sure. of time on either side of Some it. Some people don't react well to it. I know. I, I had something today... In fact, my husband told me today the U.S. Senate passed a law this is what I was that's going to basically say. stop us changing the clocks twice a year. I don't know why we still do it. It's so stupid. Hey, we've been doing it for so long. I know, because when we were mostly a agricultural community or, you know, industry nation, right. you know, I, it I made sense to do why. that. I, but. That's also, you know, you, you don't, we don't keep kids in school anymore because the buildings aren't air-conditioned and they're needed to help on the farm. Right. Uh, no longer... Valid excuses. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully the clock thing is just fucking stupid. It makes no. There's no reason for it. It doesn't accomplish anything. No, it doesn't. It pisses people off. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I prefer. I prefer having you know sunlight later in the day, later in the or you know early evening. Much more prefer that. Which one would they save? That's what we go to, where we would have later uh, sunlight hours. Okay, so it would be the summertime sort of... Yeah. yeah. If it passes, I don't think it's going to take effect until November of 2023. Why? Can't we just stop turning it back in October? In order to give the airlines times to time to adjust their schedules. The airlines? Yes. Bite my ass. <laughs> well, hire staff. Do you have staff? Do you have staff? Do you have computers, for fuck's sake? What are they figuring it out on an abacus? I don't know. I have no idea. That's what, that's what I read. Fucking airlines. Bite me. Anyway, did you have a good week? Did you have a good weekend? I had a hard weekend. Oh, why? The theater had its grand reopening gala. Okay. And I was in charge of food and bev. Okay. And it was a lot. I had never done that before. It was a lot. Was it a big success? Uh, people drank. People ate. And I guess that was the a big success. The place was clean. So, this is the Mattis Studio Theater in Lindenhurst. We're yeah, yeah. They, they just renovated the whole building. They did. God damn it. The building's they, beautiful. What they did to that building. Right? It's just, you, it's, it's, you wouldn't recognize what we, I mean, originally what that building was, was the theater was upstairs on the second floor. And below that, on the first floor, was a bridal shop. And, and then the bridal you shop had to climb moved down. Very steep, very oh yeah, very steep stairs up to the floor. They the had that whole automated chair for some of the older patrons to use, which worked as often as the McDonald's shake machine. But hence, that was the name, Studio Theater. I was right, you know, it was the upstairs. Yeah, and now you know they bought they they, they took over the whole building. Yeah, now they, the whole theater's on the first floor. It and they moved the theater downstairs. And even the offices and the rehearsal space upstairs is great. It really, it's a yeah, phenomenal. The the place is they really made such great up. use of the, of the space up there. They did. They really did. Um, it needs to. Uh, it it needs another coat of paint. <laughs> Let's be honest. Of course, it needs another coat of paint because you know you do something like this and okay, so we're going to open on this date. And everybody's going to be ready on this date, and all of a sudden, things happen. You know, yeah. people plan, and the gods laugh. Of course, <laughs> but so that it was that was a lot. Yeah, um, sure. It, it's it was one of those situations where we had like three meetings 
before we did this thing about what was going to happen. Wow. And how things were going to happen. And and none of it happened. Because what happens is the people come in with the big scissors and the ribbon and they say, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do this because they do this all the time. Yeah. So they they have their needs that we did not figure into. We're figuring she can get out the car, bring a ribbon, bring a scissors, take the picture, go home. It ain't the way it works. Anyway, it was a whole big thing, but it was it was a lot of time. Okay. And on my feet. I'm sure. And a lot of be. mileage. Yeah. Because the bar is downstairs, the service area is downstairs, but the kitchen is upstairs. Of course, right? Well, because there's an elevator, because I'd be dead if there wasn't oh an elevator. God. But uh, so it was a busy weekend. It oh, was a, and the, the opening of a show there. So, you know, that night. What show? Oh, on Golden on Pond, Golden Pond, Pond over there, which Golden. we're going to uh, hopefully go see. Yeah, it's supposed to be excellent. I yeah. Mean, the it's got, yeah, it's got Frank the Spigno and Sheila Sheffield Sheila Platt. Platt. Yeah. I mean, she, it's, they're, it's a great They're pros. Scene. They're fantastic. So, uh, yeah. How was your weekend? It was good. Uh, generally quiet. You know, we, just, we basically had our dance class on Saturday, like we do every other week. Every other week now? Yeah, we do it every other week. All right. Because really, where are you dancing? Like I said, we're dancing to learn for ourselves. No, not, no, Like, you're not going dancing. You're not, not every Thursday night you're out at fucking oh, no, Roseland. No, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, eventually we're going to start going because the, the studio has these, like, dance parties for their well, this students, is how this like, whole, on the weekends. This whole weekly thing with you guys and me started is me going with you to those parties. Yes, you did. And I loved every second of it. They were and a lot then, of fun. And then they... They changed the time of the party. Yeah, it started. I'm not sure. If, I think it started later, maybe or earlier. Yeah, it was earlier. It was earlier. Every um every uh, every ballroom dance studio in America has a party every Friday night. Yeah, uh, it's a place for the people who go and take the classes to go and practice what they're dancing. Exactly, and everybody dances with each other, and everything's fun and nice. And it lasts for two hours. It's fun. Yes, it is. But they changed it from because we we would take the group class before the party. Yes, we did. That was an hour group class on one particular dance, and then and the then we had two hours right of the party afterwards. Yep, right after that. Yeah, it was always fun. But then they changed the time of everything. I think they pushed everything an hour earlier, and then it became well. And now I got to rush home, and I couldn't be able to eat. I know it's tough. It's and Friday blah, blah, blah. night. We work still. You know, we're not retired or anything, and so it got to be tough on Friday nights. But hopefully now we'll start getting back into the, to the swing of things. Friday night. So I see what you did there. You're going to cha-cha yourself over to some kind of I'm going to waltz my way over there. Foxtrot, you're way straight to hell. And then on Sunday, uh, we had John and Sheila over. They have been guests here on the show, of course. Oh, nice, both of them. And we watched the Steven Spielberg production of West Side Story. Excellent. So we'll be talking about that later in We Like to Watch. <laughs> but for now, we're going to move on to Heavy Petting. Heavy Petting the Dogs. And this is about, on our blog, I put up a post called, called Dogs of War, in which I listed three uh, international organizations okay. in which people can donate money to help the shelters and rescue groups that are helping people crossing over with their dogs over the border from Ukraine, and the shelters, the people who are remaining in the shelters in Ukraine. So I actually looked up the three sites that what we that we listed to, get to see if there's any updates or anything. Two of the sites, one was Humane Society International, and the other one was the International Organization for the Protection of Animals. They reported that they've been able to provide funding to the shelters on the border and everything. Not really too much said about what's going on in Ukraine. Okay. 
Then there's this other group. Well, called, they're busy in there, right? Well, now. yeah, they are very busy over there as it is with the shelter because they have all the, they have mil- they basically have millions of people crossing the border right now into Romania, Poland, all you know, all of these countries. Then there's this other group called the International Fund for Animal Welfare, and they posted an update on yesterday, on March 14th, and this is what they wrote. We're in close contact as our friends are facing a dire situation together with the 1,100 dogs in their care. We are devastated to share that our partner shelter sustained damage, and unfortunately, one dog was killed after a shell hit the facility. Staff remain in place and have continued to care for their dogs, but are not allowed to cook hot food for dogs in care because the fire could draw unnecessary attention to the shelter. They desperately need to buy dry dog food. The streets are deserted, and one car continues to drive through the city, playing a message via loudspeaker urging residents to evacuate immediately. Yet the staff at the animal shelter refuse to leave the animals behind. Those are animal people. Yep. Not, can I take the dog with me? If I can take the dog with me, I'll go. Oh, yeah, but they have 1,100 dogs 1100 in this dogs? one shelter. 1,100 you know? dogs? Right. Yeah. How many people? What do you mean, how many people? How many people are we talking about? How, 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 how big is I don't know. I don't know. 100 people? Doesn't say. So no indication. So we, I'm sure it's Still, not. 1,100 dogs in a single location is a lot. Yeah, right? That really is. Yeah. That's, that's, that's sad. That's crazy. That's I know. Sad. So if you care to donate money to help support these, these rescue groups and these shelters, go to our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. Look for our blog entry called Dogs of War, and you'll see the three links for the websites for the, for the three charity groups that I just uh, talked about. Good for you. Yeah. Help the dogs. Yeah. Right? Help, the, help all the animals. Right. For fuck's sake. Help the cats, too. You know, help all the pets and animals. Even the animals in the zoos. I mean, I don't know what's going on with them, you know? There was something about the zoos I heard on the radio. Okay. Yeah, it's bad for the animals in the zoos. Of course. In, in times of war. Definitely. Which, you know, they needed to tell me on the radio. I, I know. I wouldn't have been able to As if we never would have there. known that. Right. <laughs> But it does, you know, snap your attention to it for that five-minute segment. Yes. We now move on to our next topic under heavy petting. It's not about pets, but, well, kind of is. Does Louis eat bugs at all? Oh. Uh, he might. On okay. the walks when he's... I, I let him sniff kind of freely sometimes. Okay. So he he might could. He certainly has the opportunity. Uh, no, not that I know of. Okay, I, well, I'm saying if he was, he might be having a tasty meal coming soon. Oh, really? Because there are these spiders referred to as parachuting spiders. Oh, Jesus. They hail wow. from Asia, and they were first spotted in Georgia about 10 years ago. And the uh, scientists at the University of Georgia are saying that they expect it to make their way up the East Coast this spring. They're known as the Joro Spider. They're about three inches in size, which is about the size of your palm. They're known for their very bright colors and their parachute-like silks and for attaching, for attaching themselves to cars. But the good news is they are extremely timid spiders. They're very, very timid spiders. And their small pincers means that even if they bite you, they can't break the skin. So that's some consolation, I guess, right? Fuck you. What am I supposed to do when I go out and find a rainbow pattern of spiders? Never mind you. What's our What's our youthful Ward Bryce going to do when he goes out to his car That's and it's saying. covered in a spider spiders. web? Because <laughs> he has severe arachnophobia. I don't care about how timid those bitches are. No. No. <laughs> Well, this to let you know, that's, that's, you have to look forward to this spring. Like when is it happening? This spring, they said. <sighs> is that when the swarm of bees and the... Well, yeah, we have the killer hornets uh, and what were the yeah, other ones? Yeah, the killer hornets. 
There's been a swarm of bees on their way up from Brazil. Since yeah, I think like those are the killer 70s. bees. I, yeah. 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 Oh, well. All right. So 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 parachuting multicolor spiders. Yes. The size of your palm. The size of your palm. Fuck me. Fun times ahead. I know. My friend Chrissy. Yeah. She, she will shit her head out herself. <laughs> she will. Like I said, Bryce may never leave the house. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, I don't like them, but I'm not like those people. I know, right? Me on the, uh, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I don't have that kind of phobia. I have other kind of phobias. Hello. We now move on to your favorite segment. Oh, the birthday. Today's birthdays. Uh, how many dead? Two. Two Both dead. dead. Both dead. Both and dead. being that we're still doing Women's History Month, Good. I did two women here. Two dead women. One is actually <laughs> two dead women. Albie, where are we when we need you? <laughs> two dead women. Two dead women. Three tall women. Two dead, dead women. women. One. That was the prequel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the first birthday celebrant I actually posted about earlier today on our Facebook feed. What's her name? Twitter feed. Her name is Marjorie Merriweather Post. Oh, she uh, CW Post. Well, she is the daughter of food inventor right, right. CW Post, who we talked about a few episodes ago. Did you have you been up on that campus and walk around? Because I've been not the wall a while. It's been a while. It doesn't matter if it's been a while because since it was their house, there was that doll house. Oh that, yeah, that they built for yeah. her. Yeah, that's which right. Is insane. I know that is insane. Go ahead, tell me about it. She was born March fifteenth, eighteen eighty seven. In 1914, at the age of 27, on her father's death, she became the owner of the then-called Postum Cereal Company and became the wealthiest woman in the United States, inheriting $20 million, which in 2020 dollars would, would have been the equivalent of $526 million. Okay, still not huge. She was the company director of Postum Cereal Company until 1958, but it was renamed the General Foods Corp. She also expanded the business and acquired other food companies like Hellman's Mayonnaise, Jell-O, and Maxwell House. Wow. After coming across the innovations of Clarence... Maxwell House alone? Yeah. Fuck. After coming across the innovations of Clarence Birdseye, who had found a way of preserving food by freezing it, she saw the future benefits of it and bought the company. Really? As for her philanthropy, she funded a hospital in France during... I think it's philanthropy. Philanthropy? I, I always say philanthropy. Cor- I don't need to correct you, but it's philanthropy. <laughs> philanthropy. It's philanthropy. I always say philanthropy. Yeah, you're wrong. Are you sure? I don't want you to embarrass yourself anymore. Okay, but, the, the, but do you say philanthropist, or do you say philanthropist? Yes. No, it's a philanthropist. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, I will. Thank I you. I hate people who do that, like drama Nazis. I hate that. My friend Allison, she just turned 75. She's a grandma Nazi. Really? Yeah, oh. Good. Oh. I like her already. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Anyway, she funded a hospital in France during World War II, for which she was later, reward, uh, later awarded the Legion of Honor. She financed and supervised a Salvation Army feeding station in New York. She donated the cost of the Boy Scouts of America's headquarters in, in D.C., she gifted $100,000 to the National National Cultural Center in Washington, D.C., which later became the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Okay. And she also funded the Music for Young Americans program. She was married four times. Her second husband was E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. People listen. <laughs> Except and, for Meriwether, who was like, fuck him! <laughs> 
Her third husband was the ambassador to the Soviet Union. Oh. And she had spent a lot of her fortune on collecting imperial-era Russian art during that time. Could you imagine what her house must look like? Well, it's now on display at the uh, her estate called Hillwood in Washington, D.C., which right. is now a museum. Okay. You can see all that Russian art that she collected. Between 1925 and... She 19... collected it? Yeah, she collected it. Like she went out and bought it legit. Yes, she did. It wasn't like she fucking stole it. No, she bought it through the Soviet Union, which means the people who were in charge of the Soviet Union said, oh, yes, this art is mine. You must pay me for it. And so she did. And so she did. And now it's in her house in D.C. Yes, it is. All right. Let's see them come knocking on that house after Ukraine kicks it. No, it's not she owned uh, four residences in total, including the Hillwood residence in D.C. Very important. And also a, a, a Hillwood mansion on Long Island. Which What's was the Hillwood thing? I don't know. It was later sold to Long Island University and then became C.W. Post College. Okay. Between 1925 and 1927, she built a 126-room mansion in Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, God. It had 58 bedrooms, 33 bathrooms, a 29-foot-long marble-top dining table, 12 fireplaces, and three bomb shelters. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1980. Do you know its name? It's called... Give me a second, because I block all things related out, so I'm going to need a second to get back here. It's Trump's house. Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. He bought it in 1985. After, because he tried to buy it, and they rejected his offer, so then he bought the property in between the mansion and the ocean and threatened to build a house to block the mansion's view of the ocean. So then they relented and sold it to him. Crazy. Right? Yeah, so that's the story of Marjorie Merriweather Post. Happy birthday, old girl. Merriweather. Isn't Merriweather one of the fairies who helps Cinderella in the Disney version? Merriweather. I don't know. Maybe. I love that name. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'd have to check on that. I'd name a cat Merriweather. But we now go on to our next late great birthday celebrant. She was born in Brooklyn in March 15th, 1933, the daughter of a Jewish-Ukrainian immigrant. After graduating from Cornell in 1954, she married her husband, Martin. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is correct. Very good. I was, you got that real fast. It's uh, RBG. The notorious RBG. Uh, you know, yeah, it's RBG. She attended Harvard Law School and later switched to Columbia Law School, where she graduated in 1959 at the top of her class. As a woman, she had difficulty finding work, but after much cajoling, she got a job as a clerk for a judge in the Federal District Court in Manhattan. From 1963 to 72, she was a professor at Rutgers Law School, one of only 20 female law professors in the nation at that time. Unbelievable. In 1972, she co-founded and became the director of the American Civil Liberties Union's uh, Women's Rights Project. Her work there led directly to the end of gender discrimination in many, many areas of the law. In 1980, she was named by President Jimmy Carter to a judgeship on the federal D.C. circuit. In 1993, she was named by President Bill Clinton to the U.S. Supreme Court. She was the first Jewish woman and the second woman named to the court. After O'Connor... Was she the first Jew? She was the first Jewish woman. Who not the first the... Jewish man. Or I forget. I forget. I it's it's I one of your 20th century ones, but I can't remember well, who it is. Certainly 20th century, but all right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think who it might be. Sandra Day O'Connor, of course, was the first was the woman first. on the court. When she retired in 2006, Ginsburg was the only woman on the court until Sonia Sotomayor joined in 2009. Ginsburg, of course, was known for her fiery dissents oh. and for reading them from the bench. 
Yes, she was. Her dissent in the 2007 case of Ledbetter versus Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company inspired the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act in 2008, which made it easier for employees to win pay discrimination claims. Now, despite two bouts of cancer and public pleas from law scholars, she decided not to retire in 2013 or 14 when Democrats could have appointed a successor. She died at her home in Washington, D.C. on September 18, 2020, at age 87, from complications of pancreatic cancer. Which she had already beat. She was replaced like a month and a week later by yeah, yeah, Justice yeah. Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, fastest fucking uh, Nomin- Supreme Court nomination from and, nomination and, to fitting in a role. Yeah, right. Ever. Had to get yeah. it in before that election, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That election was coming. Right. Was it a year? It wasn't a year. She was confirmed. She was confirmed or voted on. I think October twenty seventh. Yeah, it just illustrates the hypocrisy and that if there's, so long as I have the power, I don't have to follow any sort of precedent. No, like I know I did this four years ago when I said that this guy can't because the election is a year away and so we can't do it. But now the election is six weeks away and we're going to do this. And because I'm in power, you don't have anything to say about the fact that a year ago I did it the other way around. If there's one thing you can say about conservatives and Republicans is they are a great respecter of precedent, except when it applies to them. Yeah, yeah, when it doesn't work in their favor. Which we're going to see, of course, with the U.S. Supreme Court more in the coming years. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> fact, next year. <laughs> but anyway, we now move on to our next segment, Today in History. Dun, dun, dun. Did you know today are the Ides of March? I do know that. Do you know that every month has an Ides? Yes, because I found out what Ides are. Okay, so tell me what the Ides are. Ides, it's spelled or pronounced uh, Idus or Edus in Latin, I-D-U-S, it refers in on the Roman calendar to the 15th day of the month. They also have other words for, there's the word calends or calendar for the first day of the month. And there's the word nonus or none for the seventh day of the month. Okay. And this supposedly, they Where's believe... Where does none come from? Uh, it's Latin. I don't know what, you know what that refers to, but yeah, none. But it was believed that this calendar, the Julian calendar at the time when they made these specifications, was based on a lunar calendar, basically on the phases of the moon. Okay. And what is it now? Well, now we have the Gregorian calendar. We're no longer on the Julian calendar. Okay. But anyway, today in what was oh, it? Did, did they have to do Gregorian after Julius and Augustus named months after themselves? Well, yes, some of the, like, June, I'm sorry, July and August are named for Julius Caesar and and his successor, Augustus Caesar. Right, but but was that the beginning of the Gregorian calendar? No, no, that was part of it. They, those, those were adopted when they did the Gregorian calendar. They kept a lot of those names that were already assigned to those dates. Like, originally, like, July, usually I had had the original name of, like, Quintilis, because they went by the Latin number names. That's why you have... September, October, right, right, November, right, right. December. Those are all the Latin numbers. That's why Nonus I'm having trouble making make sense. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it, well, even Calendar, too, or Calends is the same thing. It's like, what does that come from? Uh, and do we get the word calendar from that? Clearly, but right? why? But anyway, in ancient Rome, the Ides was a day for religious observances as well as a deadline for settling debts. But on 44 B.C. 44 B.C., bitches. Julius Caesar was stabbed to death at a meeting of the Roman Senate. 
As many as 60 conspirators led by Brutus and Cassius and were involved. Two Brute. According to Plutarch, a seer, a uh, actually a Harris spec as a, a Harris specs as they call it. Doyle. Toil, toil. No, a Harris Specs is a uh, diviner of the future by reading entrails. And her name was Spurina, or Spurina, I'm not sure which. But anyways, Bosley... sounds like a, like, Farina. <laughs> Maybe it's Spurina, then. Spurina. <laughs> but anyway, she had warned Caesar that something was... That he was going. Something was going to happen to him on the Ides of March, and he supposedly, the Ides of March. according to the story, he passed the uh, the seer and joked, "Well, the Ides of March are come," but nothing had happened. And she replied, "Aye, they are come, but they are not gone." And of course, this is dramatized later on in the famous Shakespeare play Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, yeah, he dies. Where he's told, "Beware the Ides of March." Yeah, and does he listen? Nope. 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 Well, because a crazy homeless woman, what does she know? Yeah, I'm exactly. Reading entrails. Hello. You read the guts of a pig. What, what Do we know what entrails she was reading? No, we Maybe don't know. Maybe she should have switched over to chicken. <laughs> I don't know what kind of entrails she used. Sorry, it wasn't in from the information. Interesting. Sorry about that. Okay. Anyway, we now move on to another event on this day in history. Do you know if the United States almost had a military coup? When? In 1783, as a matter of fact. Oh, dear. We were very young. Yes. Still at the teeth. Yep. Well, what had happened is, in 1780, the Continental Congress had promised the officers in the Continental Army a lifetime pension of half their pay when they were discharged. And then, in 1781, hostilities kind of died down after the British lost at Yorktown. Right. That was in October 1781, and then... Kind of things died down. I saw Hamilton. I know the history. Right, and then peace talks began in 1782. But in December, um, what happened in, 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 in early 1782, they suspended pay to the officers as a cost-saving measure. Yeah, it's not fair. But they were promised full back pay at the war's end. Yeah, yeah. So then some officers sent a letter to the Confederation Congress, because they were now operating under the Articles of Confederation. Okay. And questioning their commitment to the Army, and offering to accept a lump sum payment instead of the pension, and also contained the vague threat that, quote, any further experiments on their patients may have fatal effects. Oh, dear. Now, unfortunately, at this time, the Congress, under the Articles Confederation, had no power to raise money among the states. Okay. And they kind of dithered for a while about what to do. What'd they do? Well, now, the Continental Army was stationed up in Newburgh, New York. And they were basically monitoring the British troops that were still in New York City. Okay. So, on March 10th, an anonymous letter was circulated through the camp that basically implored the Army to send a bolt ultimatum to Congress. And then another letter made the rounds, calling for a meeting of the officers. Washington got wind of all this, and he tells the officers, I'm calling a meeting on March 15th. So March 15th, George Washington appears at this meeting. Uh-oh. And he usually didn't appear at these kind of meetings, but I he appeared he at this meeting. Pissed. And well, he gave a speech, which is now called the Newburgh Address, basically imploring the officers to accept the supremacy of the Congress over the Army and to be patient. He then produced a letter from a member of Congress to read to the officers. He then took out a pair of reading glasses from his pocket, which were new. Few of the officers had ever seen him wear glasses. He then said, Gentlemen, you will permit me to put on my spectacles, for I have not only grown gray, but almost blind in the service of my country. 
Oh, damn. So the officers realize, you know, he's sacrificed more than we have for the revolution, he, he, you know? He, he knew how, yeah, he knew theater. And they said, you know, many of the officers were there, were moved to tears, and before you know it, they then issued, re the officers issued a resolution reaffirming their loyalty. Whatever he says. Yep. And then shortly after, Congress approved a final agreement where the officers will get a full five years pay instead of the lifetime half pension. Okay. And they all seem to be happy with that. All right, well, they did now, so. Yep, exactly. All right, so shit happened. All right, moving on to our next segment. But that's the first and only known military coup in the United States. Yeah, but it really didn't come to much. I mean, January 6th was more violent. No, but they organized, you know. They, they were getting organized. Yeah. That's enough. They, yeah. If, let's say, what if Washington hadn't gone to that meeting, you know? What would what have if, happened then? What if? What if? Lots of what ifs. Lots of what ifs. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Today is the National Day of Stuffed Clams. <laughs> no, sorry. Okay. Today is World Contact Day. Contact? Yes. What the fuck does that mean? It was first declared in March 1953 by an organization called the International Flying Saucer Bureau was founded by a man named Albert K. Bender. And he said on this day oh, that, that members would members of the organization would attempt to send a telepathic message into space. So were they all gathered together, hold their temples, and think the same thing? Yes, they were given the following message to, to, to telegraph, so to speak. It says, calling occupants of interplanetary craft, calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet Earth. We of the International Flying Saucer Bureau wish to make contact with you. We are your friends and would like you to make an appearance here on Earth. Your presence before us will be welcomed with the utmost friendship. We will do all in our power to promote mutual understanding between your people and the people of Earth. Please come in peace and help us in our earthly problems. Give us some sign that you have received our message. Be responsible for creating a miracle here on our planet to wake up the ignorant ones to reality. Let us hear from you. We are your friends. That's a long message. They just couldn't say, Hi, we're here. Can you answer us back? I took a nap. <laughs> a couple of things struck me immediately. Yes. So, so you want to send this message telepathically to people who you don't know, or to beings. Yes. That you don't know, communicate telepathically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then did they all say, okay, at Friday at noon, we're going to do this all at the same time? Or did they all just do it randomly whenever they wanted? Uh, it sounded like they organized the thing for it. And I think at one point, they even, well, I think later on in later years, and well, after the organization disbanded, but other groups got together and they actually did this for a week. They tried to send a telepathic message. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But anyway, sometime after this happened, three men in black went to go visit Mr. Bender at his house, and they communicated with him telepathically. He said he felt like he was being transported. He reported having a second visit from three floating figures in shadows. They told him that they had captured humans from Earth to disguise themselves to have a human form on Earth for their visits. Later in October, before he was publishing his discoveries, he reported a visit again by three men in black who threatened him not to publish his findings of extraterrestrial life. So in November of 1953, he shut down the Bureau with a caution note 
to all alien life enthusiasts. <laughs> See, <laughs> there's you. <laughs> yes. And I'm guessing a certain percentage, probably a high percentage of those who have downloaded this podcast, who sort of get that and enjoy that. Yes. And yeah, I'm not me. <laughs> Why not? I, I, I don't care. I don't care. So three men come down and say, we're here. Three floating figures come down and say, don't tell nobody. <laughs> and then three other people come down, three, three men in black come down and say... No, what was the what was the, the middle ones? Well, the middle ones, ones they were three floating figures and in shadows. They, say? they said that he captured humans from yeah, Earth yeah, yeah. and were using their they're bodies here. to appear here in human okay. form. So the first one come and say, uh, we're real, we're coming. Yep. The second one say we're here. And the third one say don't say anything about it. Right. Okay. Does that sound like Charles Dickens to you? <laughs> like visited by three <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's just, the fuck? Then you, get, then you can have him at the end saying, boy, what day is it? Why, sir, it's World Contact Day. World then I haven't missed it. <laughs> wow. So happy World Contact Day, Tommy. So do you know of anybody who might could be one of those people who... Are aliens dressed amongst like the wolf in sheep's clothing? Ah, I, 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 I have my suspicions. Do you? But I don't want to name anyone. Anybody? You know, I, anybody, I don't know. Anybody I know? No. <laughs> <laughs> we never know who's listening. No, that's the men true. in black may come visit us tonight afterwards. Well, I'm, I'm gonna turn. I'm. They could be either fucking men in black from the government, or they could be Mormons. Either way, come on in. Go ahead. It's time to take a look into my briefs. Oh, I hate this. <clears throat> Perfect time to drink. Well, this actually is a good time for you to drink because what I have here today is not just one story. I'm going to be basically hitting you with a lot of stories at once. I was I was almost overwhelmed by how much was happening. I always like seeing this first. Better. First, as we've already heard, Florida passed the Don't Say Gay Act, and oh. they're just waiting for the governor's <laughs> yeah, signature. There's Disney now. Well, Disney's now getting involved. They're now finally speaking up. It's like a little too little too late, and That's they bad. know it. But um, the Florida legislature also passed the Stop Woke Act, which I think we may have discussed briefly last time. Stop Woke? Yeah. i never heard of that in my life. Well, what it does is it bars schools and businesses from having any training or program that supposedly causes, quote, an individual to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Is that what woke means? That's what it's supposed to be. I guess that's what they think it means. So basically, this is now a ban on any kind of diversity training. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's going to be even more expansive than that. It really is. Because that means... What are they trying to protect? Like... I didn't realize Republicans... I mean, they keep talking about how the, the, the woke left. They're a bunch of fucking snowflakes. It's... You know? They really are. They're a bunch of pussies. That's what it makes them sound like. Oh, you're going to do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. It's like, stop. So so your kid, your 11-year-old, your 10... I, I, I assume we're talking about kids. Are you talking about school systems? What yeah. Are you talking well, about? We're also talking about businesses. Forget about diversity programs at work now. Read it to me again. It says it, it bars schools and businesses from having any training or program that may cause an individual to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any form of psychological distress 
on account of his or her race, color, sex, or national origin. Okay, I get it now. You understand? I get it. I mean, I got it, but the business's part is is pretty much where, it, to me, in America, that's where it goes too far. Are you going to tell Disney that they can't do fucking diversity training, training for, their, for their staff? Right. Everybody in the fucking world walks through Disney. Yeah. And they're not allowed. They're, they're not allowed? This is just the start of what I'm about to go on to. Oh, Jesus. The Florida legislature also passed a bill which basically gave Governor DeSantis his own election police that answer only to him. The excuse of what was to maintain election integrity, even though they didn't have any problem with their elections at all. So, so it's all about voter intimidation. So who oversees this? Who's responsible to say that's not good? That would be up to either the legislature or if someone brought a lawsuit to the court. So the legislature handled it, hand, handed him... They Yeah, they passed this law. Made him Castro, yep. basically. Yep, gave him his own police force. You know, if you just sawed Florida off, like with a big saw, yeah. like in the cartoons, the land, cut it out of the continent, and let it drift off. And become a Bahama, although I don't wish that on the Bahamas. But okay. become a thing. South Carolina have a good coast. Georgia have a great coast. <laughs> you know, Alabama, you wouldn't have to draw it in. This is craziness. Yes, it is. It get, it's going to get... I got more for you. In Missouri, are you familiar with ectopic or ectopic pregnancies? Yeah, it happens in the tubes. Well, basically what happens is the embryo... Implants is implanted outside the uterus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the baby can still get born, but right. if it's not treated, it, the woman's fallopian tubes or ovaries can start bleeding or even erupt, and that can cause death. Ugly, ugly, ugly thing. And they can treat this with a pill that can dissolve the embryo. Uh, well, in Missouri, the Republicans have introduced a bill to ban this standard medical care for an ectopic pregnancy. Banned. Banned it. And tell me how far it's gotten. They've only introduced the bill so They've far. But this is a Republican-dominated state legislature. And it's Wisconsin? Missouri. So how do you? I think we know how how that's going to end up. you got to almost... Uh... Oh, but there's more! There's more! In Idaho, on March 8th, they passed House Bill 675. Hold on. If I could go in and push the endopic pregnancy... Endopic? Endoscopic? Ectopic. 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 If I could go into the uterus, which let's face it, I'm a I'm a I'm a white male, so I'm allowed in any uterus I want. If I can go into the uterus and push it back, or go into the vagina, follow the fallopian tubes, and push the thing back, if that was possible, okay, would that be okay? Probably. I mean, I can't see why it wouldn't be, but I just don't see that being feasible. possible feasible. at all. Ridiculousness. Yeah. Instead, this woman has to go through this excruciating experience. Yes. In every level, this is an excruciating experience. Yep. Maybe the kid will be born, maybe not. It, maybe my fallopian tubes will explode inside of me while I have this child, maybe not. You gotta be fucking kidding. Well, I got... Where is this, Missouri? That was in Missouri. God, they would do, they would do better for a cow. Well, now we're gonna move on to Idaho. Because on Idaho, the House of Representatives passed House Bill 675, which would basically take the state's ban on female genital mutilation and extend it to cover gender-affirming care for minors, including puberty blockers and hormone replacement medication. So they're going to equate gender mutilation surgery to gender-affirming care. Gender-reaffirming health care. Yep. Thank you, Stephen. It gets even worse. 
The bill also stipulates that medical providers who provide such care could face life imprisonment. It would also make it a felony for parents to take their children out of state for gender-affirming medical care. Do you sometimes wonder, or do you sometimes wish that Lincoln would have just minded his own fucking business? Yeah, and let the South secede. I know. But this is in Idaho. This is not even in the South. I know. This is is in Idaho. I know. But they would go to Idaho. I mean, Idaho would go to the Confederacy. Of course, at this rate. Alabama also has the same kind of bill. It's been all gender-affirming care for minors, and that's up to 18 years old under Alabama law. It it would make punishment, it would make providing gender-affirming care for trans youth a felony punishable up to 10 years in prison. So, gee, that's somewhat better than Idaho. No. (laughs) But also, the Alabama bill would require schools to disclose, quote, any information related to a minor's perception that his or her gender or sex is inconsistent with his or her sex, close quote. And who Thereby they, making the schools out the students. Who are, they, who, who are they to report to? Who do they give that? The school district... They're supposed to report that to the parents. Report it to the parents. Yep. So that the parents can decide whether or not they want to, or they should, or whatever is correct for their family. Or whether they throw the kid out of the house. Well, yeah, there's that. Because right. you're going to see that. And of course, these bills, all Idaho and Alabama, all outlawed gender-affirming surgery for trans youth, even though no such surgery is performed for minors. It's not well, done. Well, that's, that's, that's... But the worst part of it is they include an exception that would allow doctors to, conf- to continue surgeries on intersex children, which are children born with more than one set of reproductive organs or sex organs. Even, even if those, those procedures have been opposed by the intersex community, as well as by medical and human rights organizations. But those they can do. Yeah, those they can do. I don't know. we got to stay out of each other's bodies unless we're invited. But the, what's all in common on all this is this is all happening on the state level. It's not even yeah. happening on the federal level yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to happen on the federal level if the Republicans take both houses of the Congress in this election. Yes. It's going to start happening there, then. What, have you ever, uh, what is your closest association to the South? What, what I'm mean? saying is, like, I, I lived in the South, and I understand, like, the war of no, Northern aggression. Mm-hmm. Okay? States' rights. Really big. Really, really big in the South. Yes. And that's what they're doing. And when they get federal, I don't know, Patrick, do you think the Congress is going to flip? I mean, if you go by the math, if you go by the by the... You know, it's always been this way. It's been this way. Every every president loses seats in the House uh, on the mid, on the midterms. Uh, do you think it's possible? Like, it's very rare that the reigning party in Congress maintains their seats. I know. I think in my lifetime, I think it only happened once, and that was with George W. Bush. Do you think it's gonna? Do you think that the Congress is gonna switch? Yes. You do. I think the House will. The Senate, I don't know. The Senate, I don't know. Well, so long as one of them doesn't. But the House will definitely, I think, is definitely going to switch. I don't know, Patrick. I mean, I, I don't follow their news. See, I do. I, I try to follow to, all I, of it, you know? No, I don't have time anymore. I'm trying to pass this fucking stenography course. I know. So, what I do watch is I watch the news that affirms me, which to me is CNN. And I pay very close attention to... Uh, news sources outside the country. Yeah. BBC. The BBC. The BBC Al Jazeera, even, when you can find it. Yeah. See, I don't watch a lot of I TV don't watch news. The only time I watch it is during oh, the half watch- an hour we have dinner in the living no, room. No, I watch... But I read 
a shitload of news. See, I must was, spend on average about two to three hours a day just reading all the news. Yeah, I, I, you know? I, I read a lot on, on the on the interwebs too from the Yeah, I'm a news I, junkie. So am I. I, I, I wish other them. people were. <laughs> there other people are. They're just it's the definition of news has shifted. I know. And and they're junkies on what they're calling news. Yeah. Now they're sitting in their own Zen rooms across the country right now, talking about us using the same words. Yes, you know they're using that that we're just as dilute, we're just diluted, and and this is our news source, and and poor us. I know. I know. It, it's that it's that gap. Yeah, that is growing more and more insurmountable. Is the gap between the um, it. We don't understand each other, and we're not willing to listen. No, not anymore. And somebody has to listen. One person has to listen to everybody, and that's that's always been the president. But we don't. But when half the people think he's not the legitimate president, that's it's impossible. It's not quite half. I know. Well, it's no, too many and a third. Yeah, yeah. But it's clearly a third, and it's it's uh, the third in between. I know. It's crazy, Patrick. It's crazy. Which, of course, leads us right into our next happy segment, The Week in Fascism. Oh, okay, go ahead. (laughs) First, I want to recommend this article that I had seen, which actually provided me a lot of the information on these prospective laws that are coming up. Okay. It is an article I found on Salon.com. It was on Friday, March 11th, written by a wonderful writer on their staff named Amanda Marcotte. And the article's called, Republicans aren't content to just stop history. They want to erase decades of progress entirely. And at the end of the article, that's the only quote I'm going to give you from it, this is what it says. It's not just a nostalgia for the past that animates them. It's a nostalgia for the ugliest, darkest parts of the past. The suffering most of us are glad is in the past is something the GOP wants to bring roaring back to life, even as they erase the documenting the documenting of it in the history books. Well, it's true, though. Yeah, and a perfect example of that, about two weekends ago, there was a conference known as the Conservative Political Action Conference, also called CPAC. CPAC. It's basically where all right-wing extremists go to there and mutually masturbate each other. And they I have don't all think these... that's what they do. Well, I'm, I'm not I talking... think if that's what they did, you and Stephen would have a room booked. Okay? <laughs> no, not with these people. I and, and, and I didn't mean literally, I meant figuratively. It's a convention you know? of like-minded people. Well, yeah, they have all these panel discussions. Of course. And this is I can't wait for the RuPaul. You, you want to hear the, these are some of the topics. Go ahead. The moron in chief. I wonder who that's about. Okay. Put him to bed, lock her up, and send her to the border. All right. Jesus. <laughs> Domestic terrorists unite. Lessons from Virginia parents. Okay. That's one. That one's scary. Lockdowns and mandates. Now, do you understand why we have a Second Amendment? Are you ready to be called a racist? The courage to run for office. This is CPAC. And lastly, Obamacare still kills. <laughs> but do we have a do we have a number on how many people Obamacare has killed? I don't know. I, I haven't heard any. Is there numbers. a way to find something I'm, like that out? I don't think there's. And let's see. How many people have Google, died Google under Obamacare? How many people has Obamacare killed? That would be what I would put into my How many people has Obamacare killed? Of course, you're using <laughs> the Google and not whatever the OAN or Fox-approved browser might be. Of course. 
Did you get results? Please tell me you got results. Well, I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal, but I can't read the whole thing because yeah, I don't I, pay I, for them. Yeah. It doesn't say. This says, I don't know what it says. It says, is Obamacare killing, killing people? people? That's the question, but I can't read the article. Uh, well, uh, that's the Wall Street Journal. That's Rupert Murdoch, by the way. Okay. All right. I'm looking at other things. He's like, Obamacare was supposed to lower the death rate. It didn't. Okay. But like I said, I don't know what site this is. IPI. The Institute for Policy Innovation. That could be anything. That could be anybody. Yeah, we don't trust know? that. And that's what... Well, all right, whatever. Uh, you lost it. Yeah, so... But I haven't heard of any numbers on mainstream news about Obamacare killing people, you know? But... Okay. Be that as it may, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the senator from Florida, Rick Scott, and his Rescue America plan. Yeah. And uh, he's also... He's the, raising money. The Senate campaign committee chair for the Republicans. Well, he spoke at the conference. Oh, and the the, the theme of the conference this year was awake, not woke. Okay. Okay. So that's clever. So this is what he said at the at the uh, at CPAC, Mr. Scott. This is Mr. Mr. Scott. Beat me up. He said, "We survived the War of eighteen twelve, the Civil War, World War One, and World War Two, Korea." Vietnam, and the Cold War. But today, we face the greatest danger we have ever faced. The militant left wing in our country has become the enemy within. The militant left has now seized control of our economy, of our culture, and our country. The woke left now controls the Democratic Party, the entire federal government, the news media, academia, big tech, Hollywood, most corporate boardrooms, and now even some of our top military leaders. They are destroying just about everything they touch, and they've got their hands on everything. This is not the time to be timid. This is the time to be bold. Our nation's future can be bright, but we need a plan to take the country back. I warn you before you read it, though, this plan is not for the faint of heart. It will trigger a lot of people. Based on how Democrats are attacking me this week, I say we've hit the bullseye. In their new socialist America, everyone will obey and no one will be allowed to complain. If you do speak up, boom, you will be canceled. It's time to take our country back. And I'm here to tell you the American people are going to give a complete butt-kicking to the Democrats this November. You read that really well. Thank you. That was very dramatic. Thank you. I would believe that, like, I would believe you as Fred Phelps. I play Fred Phelps. Yeah, I'm just, I, I, <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying. But yeah. It's I, evil I, to play. Yeah, the, that evilness? Yeah. That's a, it uh, really it, it sounds very 1930-ish. Yeah. Sort of, you may be able to prove me wrong, but it'll take weeks, and by then it doesn't matter. Instead of, I could Google what you're saying and prove it that, that you're... But this is the same kind of language that's been used. It was used in the Rwanda genocide. It was used before the Holocaust. It used it was used leading up to the Holocaust. Yeah, do you... I, I can't imagine we're headed toward a Holocaust. This is what the Jews have faced in, in Russia, all other places, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, Fiddle on the Roof took place in the Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and I'm sorry about the the there. It's not supposed to be the Ukraine. Although at the no, time it's it was the Ukraine because it was just a territory. Yeah, now it's considered insulting. Now it's its own thing, Ukraine. so God bless Ukraine. But what I'm saying is, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. You were talking about in Fiddler on the Roof yeah, taking place in, 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 in Ukraine, Ukraine, which yeah. was then under Imperial Russia. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. We were talk- oh, this guy who's talking about the. I'm sorry. This is not- this is fascist language. This is um, this is what they. I looked at. I because I was looking at other commentary about it. They call it this type of rhetoric eliminationism. 
because oh. it dehumanizes your oh, yeah. your enemy, your but rival. That's, that's, They're no longer a human. That goes that goes. They're back your to mortal like, enemy. I mean, you, he named everything here that you yeah. could think of to yeah, yeah, yeah. provoke people. Yeah, yeah, to provoke the right people. Yeah. What if they're right? What if who's right? Them. The people we detest. Right about what? Everything. Everything. Like what? Like politics, like religion, like women's bodies, like healthcare, like like children, like public education, like public transportation. What if they're right? But the problem is the current Republican Party is against everything. We don't know what they're for anymore. No, that happens to the be party, true on a factual the, the, level. The party, the party is Platform fascistic, free. bordering on nihilistic. It, 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 well, I mean, Rick Scott's plan. Rick Scott's plan. He wants to. He wants to tax everybody, rich and poor alike. He wants to eliminate Medicare. He wants to eliminate Social Security. He basically wants to sunset them out. Okay. This is and. You have, like I said, you should read. Everybody should read his program. It's called RescueAmerica.com. Take a look at the horror show that he's put up. There. We've been talking about this for three weeks. Yeah, I keep talking about it because I think people need to see it. That this is what today's Republican Party is. Tell me who this guy is. Rick Scott, Senator from Florida, United States Senator from mm-hmm. Florida. Yep, and he is the junior Senator from Florida, or he's the senior Senator from Florida. I don't. I'm trying to think who the other Senator is. Is it not Rubio? It is Rubio, yeah. He's probably so he's a junior senator, I believe. Rubio's been in there was before. Rubio's him. been in there. Rubio was there before him. It's hard to find because Rick Rubio Scott was governor of Florida before this new crazy person. Yeah, so Patrick, I don't know, man. Florida is a crazy place. Yeah, I don't like to make those sorts of generalizations, even though I love it. But it's a crazy place. Like, like I, I have one friend who, I know who moved down there, and who lives down they're, there? They're true blue Floridian. I, I. Who are you talking about? I don't want to say. Tell me, say, say no, the whole thing. Nope, no, I'm not going to say, so don't bother asking me. It doesn't matter. I have family who live down there. Not everybody who lives down there is of down there. Um, like, if we, if, we, if, we, if we assign this sort of political... From looking at their Facebook posts... Okay, all right, well, you would know, because they're not my friend. They are in that mindset. Okay, that's fine. You that's, know? That's, that's fine. I wouldn't say they're outright, out, outright Trumpers or anything like that, but I know they don't like the Democrats. I have to be honest with you. I find my political home in with the Democrats. Yes, so do I. For a lot of reasons. Philosophically, I do. Uh, and there's nowhere else to go. Exactly. Okay. There are, but there's the other parties have nothing. They have no yeah, strength, no power. You know, if you're not in one or the other, then... And you have to work from within it. Yeah. But one of the kids I used to work with posted this today. The Demo- was it one of the kids? Or was it like... Anyway, a kid. A 20-year-old posted today. And it... It's not news. He's not discovering... He, he's discovering it for himself, but it's right. not a eureka moment where the entire culture says, oh my God, you're right. The Republicans... The Democrats can't market themselves. No, they don't know how to. They're very bad at communicating. They really are. They're terrible at terrible. it. Terrible. Terrible at it. How is that? I don't know. With all of the people you have... You see, you, see them, assume, you see them appear on news shows and they go up there and the right standard answer. It's like... Bitch, show some passion about what you're arguing about, talking about. Let's let's assume that everything that that the right says is correct. So, the media, Hollywood, television, sitcoms. I know. I mean, all mm-hmm. of it. All of it is liberal, right? Okay. 
Now, not I to wish. mention the fact that okay, so CNN is a de- is a liberal democratic propaganda tool. Not to mention the fact that the guy who owns the guy who owns CNN is probably not a Democrat. Probably not. Okay, forget about that whole thing. Democratically controlled, fuck yourself. The guy who runs MSNBC, the guy who owns the company that owns MSNBC, is not voting Democrat. Of course not. Okay, with all of these things, why can't a message land? Professionals, you got Steven Spielberg. Who's, you know, the left-wing Republican? Why can't he create a message that will land? Are we not using that sort of uh, resource? Please. We're going to move on now to We Like to Watch. Oh, Maisel, Maisel. Yes, let's talk about Mrs. Maisel, Maisel first, okay? Holy I think shit. from now on, this will be like a weekly thing now. It's talking about Mrs. Maisel. Well, no, because now it's over. Is, this, is that that wasn't the last episode, was it? The one with her left on the stages of Carnegie that was Hall the last one of the season. Son of a bitch! I'm saying I didn't realize it was the last one. Now, now you think of it, what the fucking cliffhanger! I, right? I thought what a great fucking episode that was. It was. Brilliant. First of all, if Luke Curry does not Luke Kirby uh, does not get an Emmy nomination for his betrayal Lenny of Lenny Bruce, it's a, it'll be a crime. He's brilliant. Yeah, it's and absolutely it's, fictional. Everything about it is fictional except that he performed the Carnegie Hall. Yeah, yeah but, but the conversations, uh, Maisel, Midge is a fictional character. Oh, my God. That whole conversation he has with her at the end on the stage. Uh, and I said to my sister, because we had talked about this last week, and my sister's big into Maisel. And I... By the way, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it. Uh, if you haven't watched it by now, show, fuck too yourself. late. By now, it's a week old <laughs> right? by the time you're listening to it. Fuck you. Uh, so, yeah, I said to... Uh, my sister had been saying all along that it seemed to be going kind of slowly. And yeah, they are setting you up, and they had to set you up. The whole thing about the Tony Bennett thing, and then the thing with the well, that I couldn't believe when she turned that down because she only she'll only be a headline. Well, she'll well, not be well. A, here, here's act. what it is: Tony Bennett and Lenny Bruce and the the gay guy who she outed. Uh, uh, Shy Baldwin all came together at the same fucking moment with her. Oh my god! And I'm sorry. The visuals of that show is is the strip club. They had that whole big number with all like the those like all the whole sets. And everyone's on different platforms yeah. and everything. And oh, that, that was Chicago. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, brilliant! Couldn't believe that. Brilliant, unnecessary, totally unnecessary. Because it's supposed to be a dive. Yeah. And here they have this fantastic set with this beautiful lighting and these fantastic And that poor stage manager who's been running his ass off. He's fixing the place up because of Because of her. um, No, it's just, it's it's just so well done. Yeah. The dress that she wore on that stage. Yes. That last scene. Yeah. With Lenny Bruce and then she's left alone. And it's in Carnegie Hall. In, right, it's in an empty Carnegie Hall. She's standing dead down center in Carnegie Hall, looking out at an empty auditorium, wondering whether she's making the right decisions about her professional comic life. And as she's doing that brilliantly, she's in the most perfect dress. It's yeah, everything it about it. It's shot. Beautifully. The photography is gorgeous. Carnegie Hall looks like a temple. Yeah. 
It does. It's a, it's a, it was wondrous to look at. It's it, wondrous. It really was. It, it was, was wondrous. That and it has been like that. I, I, these people, the people who are doing this, are the best in the business at the top of their game. Yeah, they really are. It's real. It's truly. It's truly something special. And we can't we can't end the discussion of this without mentioning Rose. Oh God! And they're oh. sending the cards out. Come on! I'm not stopping. You got you. Got, for, uh, what's her name? Uh, she's the Jewish one. There's the Irish one, yes. the black one, the Jewish one. Oh, she's in the butcher shop. She's in the butcher and shop. She sends the guy back. Okay, right, exactly. <laughs> she. That's Jackie Hoffman. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, she's brilliant. And do you, she's brilliant. Now make sure we follow her on Twitter. Okay. Oh, I have to look for her. First of all, she's fucking awesome on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. She had just played Yenta in the in the Yiddish language. Oh, really? She was Yenta oh in the Yiddish language fiddler. Holy that talk, shit. Until it shut down only because of COVID. COVID. Okay. What was it that I saw her in? The Adams Family. Oh, okay. I saw her in The Adams Family. She played Grandmama. God. She was fucking <laughs> brilliant. The She's very funny. She's very real. She's very down to life. She's very Jewish. Um, which I find hysterical. Of course. There's just that whole sense of looking at life. Yeah. Yeah, and she plays that. She plays the Jewish matchmaker. And the Jewish, the Irish, the black... Who's the other one? There's five of them. Yeah. I can't think. And no. Rose was just like, fuck you. Right? Go fuck yeah. yourself. I was good. like, good for you, First Rose. First of all, the, the idea that there is like... When oh. Rose does the... When she's hypnotized. Oh. The magician she, act. She does the whole act. First of all, the magician act was great. Well... The whole act was great. I don't know where to go with him. He's sort of like, is he part of this or isn't he? I know. Because he's magician. like a loopy kind of character. The two gangsters... They're, they're great. all in. They're great. <laughs> they're they're, they're great. all in. And I'm they're glad they finally acknowledged, like, what was going on with that. When yes. they finally confronted Susie, like, what's going on? Right, right, right. You and know? The, and, the, and, and as Susie's support, they're awesome. Yeah. They ground Susie in a reality because there are other people who are like Susie. Yep. Uh, him at church. Oh, God. Come on. The Lord be with you. <laughs> and he has the way. And what does he say? What does he say? When he what does he say? They, he, the priest says, "The Lord be with you," and he, he says, "Muzzle top." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 in that scene, you know it's coming. And when she says, "Please don't tell me you didn't," or "Don't tell me you didn't," or whatever it is, whatever it is, she says to him at that moment, and you know. So I left. I left the church with a mouthful of Jesus. Come on, if there, if. if there's no better writing on television. No. I missed. I I left the church with a mouthful of Jesus. Oh, that was just. I'm was sorry. Brilliant. I'm just dead. brilliant. I'm dead. Good show. Oh, it really is beautiful. Now let's get into the other one. Yes. Now we can discuss West Side Story. Uh, tell me, what do you think? I thought it was really, really, really good. I think it deserves all the nominations it's gotten. Okay. She's fabulous, isn't she? She is excellent. <laughs> oh my God. She's she fabulous. is excellent. Yeah. Ansel Elgort. He was. He's probably the strongest Tony I've seen in, in, a, in a production. He's certainly the straightest Tony. Oh yes, without a doubt. Okay. You can tell that from the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a dancer. No, but he looks. He excellent. does his best though in the scenes that he has. He does his best. I he, can't knock him for that. He plays he, the part. He does. He plays the part. And you know what's different about the part? The, what's the, I mean? The, the, whole, the whole the whole movie is written for a 
21st century sensibility. Well, he's got a backstory. And they give him more of a backstory now. Tony doesn't have a backstory on stage. Yeah. They give him a backstory. He's, he's on probation. Yeah. They give the other characters more of a backstory. Absolutely. The Riff? Who? Uh, Russ? Well, uh, no, Russ was the original. You mean uh, Russ Tambler was the original. The Riff in this one? Yes. Unbelievable. He was not who I pictured to be playing Riff. But five minutes in, could anybody else play Riff? He was a good dancer. He's a that good dancer. No, but that personality. The well, I gotta say, I thought this was the gayest cast of men I've seen. Really? Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Both Steve and both Stephen and I said that. It's like they look really gay. Well, okay. <laughs> but maybe we were projecting. I don't know. It's see. I thought Ansel was. I have. Uh, I've done the show a number of times in a couple of different capacities. I thought Ansel was heterosexual, like no Tony. Usually is on stage, right? Normally, because the Tony has to be the same. And I said, in the parts usually it's a week. It's it was a, it's, a weekly written role. It's a very it's yes, it's a soggy, weepy. He's very passive and yes, lovey dovey and yes, everything yes, yes. until the Rumble. Now you find out that he's got, and even at the Rumble, everything he does is an accident, a mistake. <gasps> and you know what else I discovered? The whole end of the movie is because of Anita. Yeah, she did that. Anita did that. Yeah. Right? It didn't have to be that way. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. What did you think about the Rita Moreno issue? I thought they resolved it well. Did I you? was I was satisfied with the explanation. That she was his that wife. That she was married to Doc. Do you think it put her closer to the action? Like, closer to the emotional heart of it? The fact that that character was female had... Ma- now, oh, it definitely she, had an effect on... She on, was Maria and Doc yeah. was Tony. Yep. So she's the Maria that survives yeah. as Maria walks off the stage at the end of well, the play. Well, she was the Anita. She was the original Anita. No, 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 She no, didn't no. play Maria. No. Okay, so hold on, hold on. Rita Moreno was Anita. Right. She was fantastic. Yes. The best ever. Yes. So good that they changed the fucking script to put her into this one. Yes. Now, this character, whose name I don't remember. Uh, Valentina. Okay. Is the widow... Of, of Doc. Doc. Yes. Who we all know. Yes. Now, what I'm saying is Doc and what's her name? Valentina. Valentina. Are they the Maria and Tony of the generation before? Ah. Okay. Now I understand. So what if you're you saying. put now, you put Doc. Now, I Doc is a very poorly written character. And actors who come in, he's got he's got good stuff. Yeah. But he's really poorly you don't know he's anything also, about he's, this. He's guy. also a passive character. You don't know anything about the way he was originally written. He's very passive also. I had a I had a guy when the last time I did the show, I had a guy who came up to me, Mitch Cooperman, who said, I think that Doc was a gang member. Okay. And he got out. Okay. And this is what he did. And so now he's got this gang member coming to him. Yeah. Who he maybe sees a little bit of himself in. And so takes him. And, okay. Uh, That's a good take on it. It's a very good take on it. And I said, you know what? You play that. And he played it. Yeah. And he was awesome. Um, this is a very, very different thing. Well, I love... I had to laugh when they changed the lyrics to I Feel Pretty. I feel... Uh, uh, I feel pretty also pretty. I feel pretty and witty and bright. Not well, gay anymore. It's bright. <laughs> Which, you know, it's not a big deal because 
Like, Gay men something so, different back then. It's totally not a big It's deal. lost that meaning now. It's one of those songs that... But I had to laugh to myself that, about that's that. That's so in the ether that people fuck up the worst of that song anyway. Yeah. Because it could be anything. Yep. Do you know that that's his least favorite lyric writing job? Yes. Yeah, that I know. That um, I knew. <laughs> what do you think of, of Valentina singing somewhere? I loved it. Did you? I actually loved it. Do you... Okay, tell me. Tell me. What was the what? How did it? It was more of a theatrical experience. I don't think you could reproduce that as well on stage by having that character do that. But I think as a theatrical experience, I thought it was a perfect moment. I really did for her to have that because you know it's it's the end of it. You know she's done all she's can. I and she's still trying to have hope for the future yet. Because she is the heart of the, she is the heart of the play. So she becomes the heart of the play. The way they did it this time. The way they did it in this production. Because they gave her that song. Yeah. Had they flashed back on when her and Doc's and Doc. life, it would have been much more effective. Yes, agreed. Because this maybe was, they did film it, but they didn't. You know, they decided to cut it for whatever. It could reasons, be for you know? whatever reason. It was I. It wasn't in the copy I saw. Of course not. Okay, so that I'm judging from the from the. Uh, so uh, she's a completely sympathetic character. I believed her. I believed who she was. I was willing yes. to accept that. Yeah, me too. Because they played it really well. Yes, I was willing to accept, it, and it played better in the what what is called on stage the taunting yes. scene. But it's really when the Jets rape Maria. In the, yeah, uh, in in dots, and she comes up and interrupts it. There's a little woman bit playing of, Anita is fantastic. By oh, the way. she's up fantastic. There. She's won everything. She's up there. Yeah, if she doesn't win. It's a fucking yeah. Disgrace. I think she yeah, she got nominated. She's I yeah. She's uh, you got it. We can't let this. Go I know. Let me look it up because she's fantastic. <laughs> I I I fucking loved it. I'll tell you what I, I noticed about the choreography. I'm going to go backwards a little. That's bit. okay. Go right ahead. When I started dancing, my training was from a woman named Lee Theodore, who, as a single woman, was called Lee Becker. Okay. Lee Becker is the original anybody's in the movie. The 1962 James uh, uh, Jerry Robbins movie. Right. She plays anybody. Okay. So my training was very much in that Jerry Robbins vernacular. I learned all those dances. Okay, and her training was, was, she was insane. She was intense and she was insane. Yeah. She she would teach us, she would teach us America. Three weeks on America. On the fourth week, we'd run America. We'd run America again. And then she'd say, okay, to the left. Six, seven, eight. Oh, my God. And and if you didn't do America. Right. Exactly mirrored (laughs) to the left. Every step is different. She would mock you. Um, and, and so, so I know that I, I have a I have a visceral relationship with this particular choreography. I think, although whoever choreographed it, and I should know their name too, was not bound to the original. That was obvious. Gave that was obvious, but gave credit to the original. Yes, there was enough of the original in it. There was enough of the taste of the original in that choreography in this movie that made you think. He knows Jerome Robbins. I have to admit, I mean, the choreography was good. Dancing was wonderful. I missed that Jerome Robbins choreography for it. I really did. It's amazing how choreography can do that to you, right? I missed it. I really did. The only other show that happens to... Well, there's a couple of shows. Charity. uh, Fiddler. 
Yeah. I've always resented, as a choreographer, when I was working as a choreographer, I always resented the fact that they would hand me a choreography book. There are very few of them until Strowman. Yeah. Now, Strowman, you need, to, you need to hire somebody to carry each version of the fucking choreography. Right. Book. And I always resented it, but there are some things I've come to learn as I've, come to, as I've gotten older that there are some things that uh, are just, you have to do them that way. You yeah. have to do Big Spender. Yeah. It's an iconic... You could you could you could fuck with our brass band, but not you can't fuck. You with Big can't Spender. fuck with Big Spender. Of course not. Go ahead, go ahead and jerk yourself off choreographically to uh, "I'm a Brass Band." Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I've been taking up. That's so okay. Much that's okay. That's because. But I guess I thought I think it's, I'd be very happy if it won Best Picture this year for the, the Best Picture. I, I agree. I would be. And not, she I has not to be win. Tell me her name because I know you found it. Uh, yes, I did. Her name is Ariana Debose. Ariana Debose. And Ari- also, we were talking about Rachel Ziegler, who played Maria. Rachel Ziegler was excellent. Yeah, she was excellent. You too. know what? She was a Maria who was like, no. Yeah, she was a lot more forthcoming. She was. She was. Uh, the fact that they met be- under the bleachers behind the thing. Yep. So Greece, so uh, America. But I think that's also that 21st century sensibility being brought to it. Though, no, too. That you're not playing the demure woman anymore. Well, you're playing well, the woman no, I'm talking about the locale. The under the bleachers, behind where wherever that was a great idea. Nobody is, right? which would have been in every American gym at the time, and still, you know, it's yeah, that made perfect sense. That's a very Greece thing. Is that you know, Sandy and Tony, Sandy and Danny met behind the bleachers, and I, I loved it. I thought it was fabulous. I loved the photography. I loved the stuff about uh, Lincoln Center. I loved yes. how absolutely. Dismal. They made that environment. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely. Uh, it was. It was definitely more realistic in its portrayal of where we were than the original film was. Now I'm ready to go back and say very much of its time. Uh, I think both films are very, very much, much of, of their, their times. times. They really are. And, and you can't. And, and you can't denigrate great one at the expense of the other. You can't. Which Which one is better? If If West Side Story 1962 wasn't so brilliant, there wouldn't be a West Side Story 2022. There wouldn't be. Exactly. And it took 50 years. For somebody to say, you know what? And it took the greatest filmmaker probably since the creation of Hollywood. Yeah. Is that a little much to say? I know. It's a lot of credit to give him, but but is he not amongst the greatest filmmakers ever? Yeah. To say, I'm going to do this. This American classic. This thing that lives in the bottoms of people's hearts. Because Wizard Side Story... Uh, here's the thing. You got the me talking time, For the longest time, that was the holder of the record for the most Oscar wins for a film. Mm. I forget what film broke that record, but I it wonder, was it held it for the longest time. How did it do with the Tonys? West Side Story? Yeah. The original? Let's go look. Very curious, because the very different cast... Yep. 1957 stage musical. There we go. Awards... Original Broadway production, 1958. It won for Best Choreography and Best Scenic Design. Really? It was nominated for Best Musical, Best Featured Actress, Carol Lawrence. Okay. uh, Best Costume Design, Irene Sharaf. Isn't it amazing how Maria is supporting? And Best Conductor and Musical Director, Max Goberman. Nothing about direction, nothing about... Nope. None of the the cast got nominated. No. No, just uh, just Carol Lawrence. That Carol was it. Lawrence. Well, Carol Lawrence was already an established star. Yeah, exactly. 
It's amazing. It's so amazing. yeah, so we highly recommend highly West Side Story. Recommend playing, West Side Story. What was it playing on uh, Disney Channel? Right it now, is. Right? I, I saw it on HBO Max. Thank you, Carrie and Doug. Okay, I think it's not playing on Disney. I'm not it sure might why. could be, but look for it. You'll find it. It's it's worth a watch. It's very. It's about worth two and a half hours, but it's worth watching. It really is. If you are a musical theater person, yeah, you're gonna love it. You really are. You're gonna love it. Dancing, singing, beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful photography. We're now moving on to... See West Side Story. See West Side Story. Both versions. And the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And on stage. <laughs> oh, see Maisel! Yes. Oh, my God, see Maisel. We now move on to... People saying stupid things! <laughs> and today, we're going to bring up the, the youngest congressman in the U.S. House of Representatives, our favorite little fascist... Madison Cawthorn. I don't know who that is. You don't know who it is? Madison Cawthorn? You know the young man in the wheelchair? Okay. Seen like at the January yeah, yeah, yeah. 6 rally yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That is Madison Cawthorn. Okay, why is he in a wheelchair? He uh, he was in a car accident, I think sometime after getting out of high school. He was involved in a car accident. He, so, was, he was a passenger. Okay. The driver so, fell asleep. Okay. And they were in a car accident. Yes. Okay. He's not a war hero? No. He didn't lose his legs in Iraq? No. Not that it matters? No. In fact, he's actually lied about many things on his resume. Okay. And also, he's known as a uh, several uh, young ladies from the college that he briefly attended uh, said that basically he harassed them or their conduct was less than gentlemanly, less, let's say. Okay. But of course, he denied all that and stuff. And, you know, he's a big fan of Trump, of course. Okay. But anyway, a video was released this past Thursday of a oh, speech no. he was giving to a group of supporters in South oh, Carolina. I saw this. And he said, remember that Zelensky is a thug. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and is incredibly evil. And it has been pushing woke ideologies and just the new woke world. You know what's amazing? Remember, Trump tried to bribe this guy. Yeah. To giving him information about Biden. Yep. And the, the attempt at the bribe didn't work. Putin has invaded this guy's country twice Yeah, in the past 10 years. Yeah. People forget about Crimea, you know? Uh, yeah. Crimea is not... People forget about that. A Russian... Uh, yeah. Although I gotta say, uh, I do have some quibbles about Russia could have Crimea as far as I'm concerned. They have a, they have a longer standing historical claim to it. Fine. Leave this guy and his people alone. Yes, I agree. Otherwise, what are you getting from this? What is his? What his? What does he want from there? Probably all the mineral resources that have been undeveloped that are still there in Ukraine. And that's what he probably politically he's putting out that they are attacking Russia. That the Americans have uh, biological warfare laboratories in the country. Yeah. Uh, uh, Really, what he wants to do is grab the inches back to Poland. He, his 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 goal is the Soviet Union. Yeah, that's what he wants to reform. That's what he, that's his design. And that's because he's made that clear. Not for the good of his people. No, it's for his own ego. It's because it puts him in a position of Gorbachev, and well, Gorbachev those, was the one who saw over the disintegration of it. But, exactly, but he was given the award. He was given. Oh yeah, the Soviet Union. Yep. Just like the ones who came before him Mm -hmm. uh, up until the Soviet Union was... So, anyway, obviously the reaction to what he said didn't go over too well. I'm sure it didn't. So, he later tweeted, The actions of Putin and Russia are disgusting, but leaders, including Zelensky, should not push misinformation on America. 
Now, um, what misinformation has Zelensky been pushing? Zelensky is hiding in a fucking bunker. Right? He's making himself a hero. He's a hero. He's a hero. He's a fucking hero. Well, tell that to Madison Cawthorn. Say it again? Tell that to Madison Cawthorn. Who's Madison Cawthorn? <sighs> oh, God. He's the one who was in an accident with his friends and is in a wheelchair now, and he's a Trump crazy person from Idaho. South Carolina. South Carolina, which I know very well. I lived there. I Did lived you? In, I lived in South Carolina four years. Oh, my God. Was that during college? No, no. It was the four years before you met me. Really? I moved back to New York. I'm sorry. I My, my apologies to South Carolina. It's North Carolina. Oh, you see, North Carolina's better. Yeah, he's in North Carolina. I, I apologize to South Carolina. No, for don't that. apologize to South Carolina. <laughs> well, I'm sure they don't want to believe me. They have worse. And right, even the North Carolina Republicans are, are, from what I've read, are pretty much had it with this guy. When are the Republicans going to have it enough? When is that going to happen? Not until they have. Is that going to happen? Not until they control all three houses. No. Of, all when three. when are logical? American Republicans going to have enough with this crazy Trumpism thing? Ask them. Ask Mitt Romney. Ask uh, ask the one in Alaska. Ask the one over in uh, New England. Ask them. They're one of the few moderate Republicans left. And they're not even moderates. They're arch conservatives as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, one, I mean, come one, on. The, We're cheering on Liz Cheney for what she's doing on this investigation on January 6th. But she's a fucking arch-conservative Republican either. She, yeah. does, she pretty much agrees on a lot of their policies. Right, right, right. Maybe not some of these fascist ones that are coming up lately in the past year. At the but very least, you can say about Liz Cheney and the guy. Who's the guy There's a guy? Uh, uh, Kiss, uh, Kissinger. They're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely are. And, and unfortunately, that's the bar. Yep. Doing the right thing is now just the bar. Yeah. That's, that's, just, a sh- that's, that's a shame of it That's all. just par. Where, where in a situation, especially that January 6th thing, that should be investigated to the fucking teeth. I know. But anyway, we're going to move on now to our next topic. Are we still doing the podcast? Yes, we are. Jesus, this is taking forever. Because <laughs> you keep on talking. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. We now move on to our next segment. Five Faves. Yes. And in honor of World Contact Day, okay. we're going to name our five favorite extraterrestrials. The guy from, from Bugs Bunny. The guy from Bugs Bunny. There was a there was a Martian. Uh, yeah, on Marvin Bugs, the Martian. Marvin the Martian on Bugs Bunny, number one. <laughs> That's your number one? That's my number one. My, my first one is Uncle Martin from the... Classic TV show, My Favorite Martian. Well, see, classic, played by Ray Walston. Yeah, yeah, classic is to you <laughs> when they still used Hollywood flats on the sets. <laughs> yes, they did. The walls would shake. It's the door closed. But it was a great show. Okay, what was his name? Uncle Martin. He was called. He lived with. It was Ray Walston playing the role. He lived with Bill Bixby's character. Okay. And so to explain him, they said that he was his uncle Martin. Okay. There. Okay. That's how they explained his character. Right. And of course, they got all into all kinds of hijinks, of as course. they usually do on the half-hour comedy from the early 1950s. F- 50s or 60s. Who's next on your list? The guy from Gizmo. The guy from Flintstones. The guy. Ah, Kazoo. Kazoo. He's on my list, too. <laughs> yes, little Kazoo. He came out of fucking nowhere? Yep. Uh, yeah, I like that. 
uh, I don't love extraterrestrials. I think this this is a crazy fucking topic. <laughs> well, but, it's an honor of world contact day. Well, which I didn't know existed, and, and I wish I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, Gazoo. Gazoo on the Flintstones. Kazoo. Great, great kazoo, choice. Gazoo, 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 whatever. Well, since that was my next choice, what's your third choice? Uh, Mork for Mork. Ah! You copied me, too. I have more for more also. You copied my list. I copied your list, my ass. Mork for more. Yes, the great Robin Williams. It was the downfall of Happy Days <laughs> and the beginning of Robin Williams. Yes, it was. Off to a great start there. Oh, Jesus. That show became a spinoff. It was a spinoff of Happy Days. He actually made one appearance on Happy Days. So he made a couple, I think. No, I think it was only one only on Happy one? Days. Yeah. And he got a spinoff? And then they got the spinoff from that. Okay. Right? That's some crazy shit right there. Yes, it is. Because that really signaled... I think that was even after he jumped the shark. Who? Fonzie? Henry Winkler. Oh, that yeah. whole phenomenon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think like the fact that they got to the point of bringing on an extraterrestrial onto Happy Days... Well, they were trying to do this with other... I mean, they did it with Laverne and Shirley. That was a spin-off from Happy Days. It was, no, no, I'm not talking about the spinning off. Okay. I'm talking about the end of the original series. Okay. Like, by the time they bring on The Martian in the 1950s sitcom... Yeah. Well, it was our early 60s. Just kind of say goodbye. Well, it was filmed in the 70s, about the 50s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the time you're bringing on the fucking space alien... Richie Cunningham should go to bed. Like his bro- like his older brother. He went up the stairs at the end of the first episode, but okay. we never saw him again. I don't know what his name was. <laughs> no, I don't he remember had a name. Either. Yes, he did. But he went up the stairs at the end never of the saw first him episode, again. and he never came back. Nope. Again. No, he didn't. Nope. I never saw him again. Get him locked in the attic. Nope. There he is. <laughs> Still don't know what the fuck happened to him. Well, anyway, since Bork was on my list, who is your fourth oh, choice? Oh, Jesus. We're back to me again? Yes. Okay, hold on. I got to say the whole the whole team from Third Rock. Okay. Fair enough. I'll give you that. What a great team. Oh, Jesus. What a great team. Oh, Fantastic. my God. Fantastic. Who yeah. was that adorable boy? Not the boy. The, well, he's the, not a boy anymore. The younger guy. No, he was the younger guy. French Stewart, you French mean. French Stewart. Great comedic oh, actor. Oh, Jesus. my God. And he was later on Mom. Okay. He was the chef in the uh, restaurant where Christy worked at. Okay. As a waitress. And great character actor. And he was so off the wall. Oh, Jesus. On Third well, Rock. He was, oh, my God. He was the one who, if you looked, if you, if you looked at the what were there four of them? Yeah, four. Of them. If you looked at the four of them, he would be the one that would tell you that they were from fucking out of space. Yeah, right. He was the one who was completely crazy. I love <laughs> the fact that the kid was the oldest one and the and the one with all the knowledge and yeah. The, uh, and I love John Lithgow. I'm John, sorry. Well, John Lithgow can do anything to me, and he's fantastic. Just one of the earliest episodes when he put on leather pants. Okay. And he's walking across the the, 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 the classroom, and Jane Curtin's there, trying not to laugh at well, him. Because you just hear this noise as he's walking. First of all, Jane Curtin has a terrible <laughs> reputation for keeping a straight face. Yes, that's she obvious. She just can't. And, but, but, and that relationship was perfect. And it was, yeah. Who do you who do you put Jane Curtin with? Lithgow. I yeah. mean, who else is there? I know. Lithgow. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. I, lo- Good I, lo- choice. I, lo- I love them. And I thought they were great. My next choice is Alf. Okay. Do you remember Alf? I remember Alf. I didn't watch Alf. I liked Alf. Alf would have been the one that I said next if I had remembered it. Okay. Instead, I remembered Third Rock. Alf was basically a Jewish comedian from the Catskills yeah. uh, portraying an alien. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. voicing a puppet, really. But he was very, very funny. And he lived with those people. <laughs> yes, he did. And is there anybody who's... Always screwed? wanted to eat the cat. <laughs> I didn't watch the show, but had I known that he wanted to eat the cat, I might have. <laughs> like, that's fucking funny. I didn't know that about that. Yes, he did. Alf wanted to eat the house cat. Yes, he did. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> right there, that's comic. <laughs> Who is your final I, choice I, for I, favorite I, extraterrestrial? I don't, I, I'm going to go with E.T. E.T.? Okay. I mean... The I sentimental know. favorite. What you got? You got? Of course. Did you e. cry in the movie when he died? No, I did You didn't cry? No. You didn't cry when he came back to life? No. You didn't cry when he escaped at the end and left uh, no. poor Elliot behind? No. No? No. You heartless bastard. Yeah, this, you know, you can either make me cry in a second or you, it's going to take you four days. You know, it's one or the other. E.T. didn't do it, but uh, I like the image of him amongst the stuffed animals. Okay, yes. Great. That's him when he's hiding out. That's yes. just a great scene. That was great. Who directed that movie? Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. How much do you think that movie made? Lots. It made lots. <laughs> it made think, lots and lots and lots do, of money. Do you think maybe what Steven Spielberg is still living off ET money? <laughs> Possibly. 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 Okay. okay. And if you add some of the other big titles, yes, he's had so many. Of what, them. what I'm trying to go back to is what I said before about he don't give a fuck about what. That other thing. Yeah, I know, but he's still, he ain't going to stick his neck out. He make the movie he wants to make. He ain't going to stick his neck out. He's, he stuck his neck out. Enough for him, I guess. For him to make West Side Story? Oh, that. For him to make Schindler's List? He made that because he made the E.T. money. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right, go ahead. Anyway, my final choice for favorite extraterrestrial is... Zaphod Beeblebrox. Of course it is. Because nobody knows who that is. Uh, oh, there, I'm sure there are some listeners out there who do. Are they over 70? <laughs> Possibly. Tell me who they are. Zaphod Beeblebrox was the president of the galaxy in the Hit Hiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I'm sure you never saw. It's a, it was actually a book. There's actually a series of books uh, written from this, and then it became, it was a mini-series, I think, on TV. What was it called? And then it was uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. And then it was also a full-feature film, and Sam Rockwell played Zaphod Beeblebrox. Okay. <laughs> he was quite funny in it. Oh, all right. So, yes, Zaphod Beeblebrox, my yeah. final choice. Thank God that's over. Yes. We now move on to our final segment. The Grumpy Old Gay Men Gripe of the Week. Uh, I'm going to sacrifice mine, which is pretty much aging. Okay. And and let's just go right to you. You're going to go right to me, huh? Yeah, because this is going to be rough. Well, I have a gripe this week. Go ahead. And I obviously, uh, I posted about it earlier today on Facebook, and on my own account. Got quite a response. Well, I'm going to read to you what exactly I read. Go ahead. Or what I wrote, I what should say. Wrote. I wrote, so I see that at least two theaters on Long Island are holding productions of Mamma Mia this year. Wasn't it only a couple of years ago that just about every theater on Long Island was producing Mamma Mia? I know what this says about our theaters, parentheses, they need money, close parentheses. But what does this say about the theater's attitude towards their audiences? Nothing good, that's for sure. So, of course, I expected a response, but I didn't expect the response that has been going on pretty much all day. 
and still continuing into this evening, even as we speak. Okay, is there, are there new things? There are uh, about, oh, about 58 comments at this point. Okay. And on that's your not, original And that's post. on my original post. Okay. And that doesn't even count the separate posts that some people made to address what I said. Right. Instead of writing on my post and addressing me about it. To which other people responded. Yes, which of course they did. And how many of those do you know are out there? How many? Of how what? many people who did not respond to you but responded on their own personal page are are out there? Oh, I don't know. That Two, I don't three, know. seven, twelve. I I didn't I didn't look to take count. Okay, you know. All right. I said some people. I think from reading some of these comments and responses, you all are being way over dramatic. Number one. The fact that you're taking anything I say that seriously that you had to go on some little rant on Facebook about it says a lot more about you than it does about me. Well, here's my first thing. Who gives a fuck about your opinion? I know! I know, right? Well, as I posted later, I say, I post up all all these posts all day long about creeping American fascism. I don't get a peep. But I put up a post about Long Island Theater and there's more drama than a Tennessee Williams play. I may be able to answer that. Okay. I may be able to leave an explanation at your doorstep. Okay. Shows. Yes. Have fans. Yes. Okay. I hate Mamma Mia. To me, the only thing that saves Mamma Mia from being the worst musical ever written is that hair exists. Now, <laughs> I know that people who love hair are going to come with hate. All right. People love hair. People love Mamma Mia. People love Les Mis. Okay? So, what do you love? And if somebody comes and says negative things about what you love, what is your reaction going to be? You're going to stand up to defend what you love because you love it. Okay. Some people love Mamma Mia. Yes. Well, let me address all that. Go Number ahead. one, in my original comment... I wasn't attacking the show in it of itself. I didn't say that I hated Mamma Mia or the reasons why I hated Mama Mamma Mia. Can I try to I didn't address that at all. Can I can I can I can I? Mm-hmm. Because maybe it will be different coming from my voice. Okay. Why does everybody do the same show all the damn time just to make money? Yes. Okay. Is that your point? That was basically my point about this. Is that How many times are we going to see Mamma Mia produced yes. on stages within 15 miles of where I'm standing? Yeah. And how many people are going to fall for it? Yes. Okay. And like I said, it says something about the theaters. Yes, they desperately need money. Absolutely, they need that money. But it also says something about our perception of the Long Island audiences. Well, hold on. Now, here's where I got to play devil's advocate. Okay. They're paying Yes. Con- now, the two theaters you mentioned are the two most expensive theaters on Long Island. Yes, they are. For an audience to go and see And one those- of them is a professional equity theater. And so, for people to go see those theaters, to see that show in those theaters, it's going to cost them upwards of 100 bucks. Yep. Okay. To go see a show on Long Island. All right. Both of those theaters are doing that show. Yes. There are a number of other theaters. Yes. Smaller theaters. Some theaters that are not that don't have quite the gravitas that these like equity theaters have, right? Who are producing the show? You didn't mention them. You mentioned the two big ones. I mentioned the two that are currently holding productions of Mamma Mia. The two big ones. I didn't mention the dozen theaters. Of course, that not too long ago, every theater and it's their mother 
was, was doing... holding or in a production of Mamma Mia, Mama Mia on Long Island. Let me ask you another question. Yes. How are you going to feel when something when that happens to something rotten? I'm going to feel awful about that too. Really? Yes. And, and is it because that 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 you object to the fact that all of the theaters are doing the same show, or do you object to the show itself? Oh no, that has nothing to do with the show itself. Okay. It's that you're doing these shows ad nauseum. All these theaters, whether they want to hear it or not, are basically feeding from the same Long Island audience. Whether it be in their local neighborhood, or their friends of the theater, or friends and families of the actors. But we're all basically feeding from the same trough here, you know? Well, well when you open it to the public, mm-hmm. the people that are going to Argyle, or who have bought subscriptions to the Argyle, are probably not going to Northport. Right. Okay? Also, how many of those people as a group, totally, are going to Sag Harbor? Okay? So... How much of their audience is shared, really? I'm asking. You're nodding. I'm asking. Personally, I wouldn't know. But we're talking about the same limited geographical area. Long Island. On Long Island. Think of all the theaters. Think in your head right now. All the different theaters on Long Island. Name the theaters that could do a production that could legitimately do a legit $40 ticket price production of of Mamma Mia. Who are they? I'm not going to get in. Can you name three? Probably. Can you name five? I don't know. I, in my own time, I've only seen one production of Mamma Mia. Okay. One production. It was a very good production. The production values were there. The costumes were there. The choreography was great. It's a terrible show. You didn't like the show. It's an awful show. And I love the music of ABBA. I I grew up on the music of ABBA. I don't disagree with you about the show. And I think that every party... Should have two ABBA songs an hour, okay? Not <laughs> ABBA for two hours. We, okay, that's my perception. Okay, nobody gives a fuck. I'm not offering it to anybody. Nobody asks me. I'm not. Okay, what I'm saying is that they're not really going for the same audiences. It's a show that even if it's just because of the movie, people recognize, mm-hmm. and so because they recognize it, ABBA. Oh. Let, it's a much easier sell for producers than picking pick, something Latin or any number of shows that they could pick that from obscure writers, from obscure titles that they could put on their stages. And they're going for the one that people enjoy and are going to pay money to come see. Now, are there people who are going to go to every single Mamma Mia performance on Long Island? Sadly. God, I hope not. Probably. Okay. I did a production of, of Mamma Mia. I staged a production of Mamma Mia. I didn't love it. I hated the show. I did it with kids. They didn't love it. It didn't turn out to be fantastic. That does not mean that there are some people who do not find value in that show. Okay. Okay. You don't have to... I know you agree with me on an intellectual level, but you just hate that show so much. Or you hate... It's the, not so much about hating that the show. show. It's that everybody's doing the same Let me give you show. another example. I was, I've been in a production of Annie. I didn't really care for the show before I was ever in it. Once I was in it, I was in a fun production, had a great time in the show and everything. And then, like, it seemed like every other year or so, 
All the theaters are doing Annie. It's a guarantee. Because we're going to have all those kids in the show, so now we're going to have all these families uh, putting their, their asses in our seats now. It's, and, and for some reason, it works as a Christmas show. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of the whole... And for one scene, there's you know, a Christmas deal for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, right. That's why. Okay, but... Yeah, but... I'm just... But please, you know what my bottom line is? I think we can do better on Long Island. What do you suggest? I don't know. I don't have... I don't say I have all the answers. Um, hopefully, hopefully there are plenty of people out there who are, who are in a position to do something about it. <laughs> but, you know, I a, f- a few years ago, I used to listen to this podcast, this Broadway podcast. Let me ask you a serious question. What? Serious, a serious question. What? Okay. How many people, mm-hmm. in a round number, uh-huh. do you think control the what the Long Island theater audiences see? I don't know. Now. I'll I'll make it easier. Okay. I'm not talking about kids. Okay. I'm talking about theaters who have main stage productions that are charging upwards of the $20 or $25 a ticket price. Okay. How many people, individuals, are responsible for what those theaters put on? I don't know. I can't give you an answer. I don't know. 12? I think I just said, I don't know. I'm in the same room with you. I heard you. Okay, I'm trying to stop get... asking me different numbers. I'm going to give you the same answer. What's the What's the outside edge? I don't know, okay. Tommy. All right, never mind. What, what's your point? My point is that there are only so many people making the decisions, and unless you're one of and those maybe that's people the problem. making the decisions, maybe that's the problem. Okay. Then. Okay, so how do how do you become a person who makes a decision? How do you become a person who markets a th- who you, chooses you, a th- a season for a theater company? You know what you do? You do like everybody else has done here on Long Island. You open your own theater company, and that's why we now have about. 20 or 30 theater companies all over Long Island, most of them without a home, but these people get to do the shows they want. Well, thank God for Baca. Yes, they get to do the shows they want, which is important. Are they filling 60 house seats? 60 seat houses? Probably not. Are they filling them for three weekends? Or for two weekends? They're not. Beauty and the Beast is going to bring asses to seats. You know what just put asses in seats? Titanic. They didn't bother to make the boat sink. There was no special effects to make that. So the best of the season, Titanic. Okay. okay. Now, a lot of that has to do with the score. It's a great score. I don't think so. I don't okay. like, I I, like the score. I don't like who wrote the score, but whatever. Okay. Whatever. People came. They saw. They watched. They bought. Yes. Okay. They're going to do that with Mamma Mia. And that's what theaters are looking for. Okay. Basically, what I'm saying is I think we can do better. But you don't have an example. You don't have a, for instance, you don't have a... Why should I... Why, why do I have to have all the answers on well, this? If you pre- I'm raising the question in the first place. Because most people on Long Island Theater are afraid to say anything. And you know why they're afraid to say anything? Because they want to the Not only that, and they're also getting afraid of getting attacked on social media. The way some of these people are going off. Like, I had committed some grievous sin with my comment. It's like, why are you giving what I said so much credence? Well, there's that. You know? But on the other hand, why would you say it if you didn't have a solution? Why can't I just question it? Why do I have to have solution to everything that's being questioned? That's valid. Why? Why do I have to be the only one? Let someone else step up up then and offer a solution. So you're going to point out the problems, but you want somebody else to solve it. I'm not saying I want them to. If I have an answer, I'll give you an answer. What? What? Why are you putting me in this accusatory position like this? I don't understand you. Well, what it is is I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm, well, I'm, thanks a I'm, lot. I'm trying to enjoy my podcast here. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be on the fucking witness stand tonight. I didn't put you on the witness stand. The people who responded to your Facebook post did. 
They didn't put me on the witness stand. They made their comments, and I haven't really commented. I think I commented like a couple of them at the most. Let them have their say. Do you even know any of them? Yes, some of them I do, some of them I don't. The ones I don't are, I think I've been the most vocal about it and stuff. It's, it's, I'm I'm not going to respond back to that. This is, this is, tonight is my response back. And my response is, Long Island Theater, I think we can do better. Okay. There it is. There it is. I'm trying to give you the opportunity to, to expand. But it doesn't matter. It's okay because the we can do better is where you're at. So let's go there. Who's doing good on Long Island? I'm Canada? not getting getting specifics right now. It's late. We've been at this for over two hours. All right. I'm trying to just keep the conversation going. You well, we don't have to now. We're want. at the end of the show. Whatever you want. So we can stop now. Please. I think we've beaten this subject <laughs> to death. Whenever you want, pick another subject or end it if you want. But I just want to make clear because some of these people who have been responding have been taking it so personally. Don't take it personally. I don't care that you're in Mamma Mia. I don't care. You can do any show you want to do. But that's the thing. People feel so personally about these things. I know. And it's like... And when something comes up negative about it, they respond viscerally. They, I have to defend it because it means something to me. I wish they got this concerned and serious about more tangential tangential issues in our life. Uh, you know? Okay. It's tangential. like, this is, this is nothing. This too shall pass. And it's just you! <laughs> We're not talking like Ben Rich or whatever. I know, but well, for do. some reason... Ben Brantley. It's like, when Pat Finn speaks, people got to go nuts and respond back. It's like, yeah. no, you don't. Uh, I'm just a little asshole with a microphone here, you know? Just ignore you. No, I'm going to say ignore <laughs> me, please. I'm never ignore me, bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to move us safely. I know, but you know what I'm saying, point. right? I, have, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I think it's my job to play you a devil's advocate because you come across with such strong opinions so passionately that they have to be questioned. Oh, okay. And that's my job. Okay. Continue. Well, questioning is one thing. You're doing a fucking interrogation. Move on. And and remember, (laughs) I agree with you. Oh. (laughs) Thanks. You told me that now. Yeah, go ahead. We now come to the conclusion of the show. Tommy, what are your plans this weekend? I plan to work this weekend. There really? are shows Thursday through Sunday. Which show is that now? Uh, it is on Golden Pond. Sir, currently playing at the Manus Theater on Theater Row on South Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst. Yes, it is. I also uh, am responsible for some seven performances had taking place at the Bayway Arts Center. Ah. Which is the final closing weekend of Titanic the Musical. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, the ship, the ship sings. Uh, and also the uh, per the entire performance schedule of the Young People's Theater, Anything Goes. Ah. Which they very geniusly programmed so that it would happen on the set of the Titanic, because why build two ships? Yep. I agree. Right. So, uh, yeah, so I'm working all weekend. Well, good for you. And then, and then that's it. What yeah. are you doing? Nothing planned right now. I know on St. Patrick's Day night, I think we're having some people over for dinner. I think nice. Stephen invited you, actually. He did invite me. But you I can't because you're working. I'm working. But after that, we have nothing planned. I'm going to hopefully, maybe we'll go see a show. All right, why don't you go see <laughs> I'm, sure Long, I'm sure a Long Island <laughs> Theater will be really glad to see me right I, now. Everybody's going to welcome you with open arms. <laughs> I, I suggest the Northport Mama Mia. <laughs> No, it's not Northport, so I won't say. I'm not going to bury myself anymore 
Oh, then I already am. Just just <laughs> keep the shovel work. So anyway, we hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode. We want to thank our producer, Stephen Prendergast, for all that he does. Of course, you know where our podcast is available, so I'm not going to keep on repeating all the providers. And of course, you can find all our episodes on our website, www.grumpyoldgamemenandtheirdogs.com. Also, if you liked what you hear on the podcast, we also have bonus material for each episode. So go check those out. We have links to videos, some of the topics we talked about, and things like that. If you don't link to a Mamma Mia video on the all time, <laughs> well, no, have to now. you have to link to any Mamma Mia video. <laughs> Okay. I just have to. You, you have, please. I know it's required. Please, <laughs> just for you. Just for me. Just to do. <laughs> just as a peace offering. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Tommy, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I'm waiting for my cue to say bye, bitches. In that case, I'm going to be saying have a good night, have a good weekend, have a good life, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>